Welcome to the captain's run with Cameron Smith. Oh, yeah, Smithy. Hey, what about the boys last night? He's got a <laughs> smile on his face. Yeah, pep in his step. How you been, mate? Uh, a little smile. Uh, really good, Kempi. Um, hope everyone had a great Anzac Day. Oh, I certainly did. It was a um, great day for sport, but also, you know, great day to commemorate and remember all of our um, service men and women who have fought in previous wars and are continuing to serve um, on deployment right now. But, yeah, back to the footy, the, the storm... Great win. I was a little bit concerned early, mate. They mm-hmm. um, they didn't start well. And foot, like, you got to take your hats off to the Warriors. They, they, they're still even though they they went down last night, still very impressed with the way uh, they they've started this year. Um, and and really to stay in it as long as they did last night because they suffered a couple of injuries. They got a sin bin uh, during the eighty minutes, and they still took the storm all the way to the death. Uh, and early on, I, I thought, wow, like this this could be a, a big victory to the Warriors um, with the way they started. But it took a uh, it took a pretty special player, mate, in in Big Nelson, uh, to come on the field and really change the fortunes of the Storm. I just felt like the game completely changed when the big man came on the field. He 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 took a couple of really strong carries, started getting momentum, and I, and I felt as though that's when you know, Harry Grant, Cam Munster, and particularly Nick Meaney were able to get on the back of that and, and play their best football. Oh, mate, Nelson Asafa-Solomon, I just showed you how in, uh, important he is to the squad because, you know, the Warriors completed at 89%, and sometimes you just need a game-breaker that you can't have systems for. doesn't matter how many people you have in the tackle. They just absolutely bust you apart, yeah. and that's what Nelson did. That's what Nelson and I, did. And I think, and I think um, what helped... The storm as well was when he, when Nelson went onto the field, he actually uh, went out and played back row, which I don't think was the plan for the Melbourne Storm to start with. Of course, you know he's, you got to remember he was coming back from a knee injury. I think he's been out for about a month, so he would have been a little bit underdone. Uh, not a whole lot of game time over the past four weeks, but I think w- with what panned out, with uh, I think it might have been Eli Katoa, he left the field with a HIA. Big Nelson come on and played pretty much um, – well, he played the entire game out in the back row, which saved him a little bit. If he would have gone in the middle, Kempe, I think it would have gassed him a little bit earlier. Mm. So he would have had to come off the field. But he was able to – once he went on the field, he stayed out there for the remainder of the game. And um, that just, you know, fortune fortune went the Storm's way um, with him being out there. But, uh, look, you know, it was a big, big effort by the big men and huge news as well off the back of it. They – the Storm come out and announced that he, he's just signed on for another four years at the club. Absolutely huge re-signing for the Storm. But, uh, I mean, we got ahead of ourselves. Welcome to the captain's run with the great Cameron Smith. We're here for Chemist Warehouse. <laughs> Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings. Subscribe for the captain's run on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast downloaded. Give us a call. We haven't had a call in a while. 1300 01 1170. Ask us any of your footy questions. What's doing? Jackie White in the South. Oh, my God. What's oh. happening there? Nelson re-signing the Broncos, the greatest team of all time. We can talk about that if you want. Uh, it's not me saying it. I'm just saying we could talk about it. 0457 <laughs> 736 736. You could text us in um, your, your questions as well. Make sure to follow the brand new Twitter, Captain's Run NRL, and follow at SEN League on Instagram and TikTok. But... As I said, to storm, defeat the Warriors 30-22. to 22. Um, 
it was really interesting. It was actually a couple of years ago. I saw the, the storm. I uh, sorry, I saw Warriors storm in a preseason trial. And one of my concerns, this was not this preseason, but last preseason. And one of my concerns was, is, is the size of the storm pack compared mm. to the Warriors pack. And I was, my concern for the storm over the next 12, 24 months was in the forwards, they just didn't have the same size as they, size and explosiveness that they, they had, uh, in yesteryear, as you could say. Yeah. Yep. And so what was really interesting is that to kind of almost come full circle where it did look like the Warriors were dominating the ruck until Big Nelson blew the game apart last night. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. And and to to the Storm and their forward packets, they, they've gone back to um, a similar, I guess, forward pack or, or, the, or the structure of their forward pack to when I first started playing there where – we didn't have huge players, but we had a lot of workers, guys that could play big minutes, got through a lot of um, game time, um, made plenty of tackles, plenty of hit-ups, but not, necess- not necessarily the biggest guys in the game that can really you know, skittle players or break the line or, or whatnot, which I think that, that is, that's, a, that's a Craig Bellamy-style player. Mm. And you know, I'm talking about guys like you know, Josh King and Trent Liero, guys like even, even Christian Welsh, like... He's he's a tall guy, but he's not the heaviest guy. Um, he's got a nice offload after he hits the line, but he's not. He doesn't break or bend a line like, um, you know, an Asofa Solomona or a Junior Bolo, RCG. These type of guys, Payne Haas. So th- th- it's a bit of a different setup. So, um, and I, and I think we've probably seen that over the last couple of weeks, particularly when Melbourne took on Manly, where they were just, they were extremely dominant. Um, it was a dominant physical display by by Manly. They just they couldn't match the physicality um, that that the Seagulls showed that night um, at Brookie. So um, to have Nelson back, as I mentioned last night, that was a huge in. Um, and the way it just all panned out, where he was able to get out in the back row and and play out some big minutes, um, was very fortunate for them. But going back to the Warriors, mate, they they were they were so brave in defeat. Um, particularly with the injuries that they had and, and to guys, you know, like Jazz Tavunga, um, super player, only a small guy, but plays so tough um, and creates, you know, some pretty good opportunities around him. He, he offers a quick play of the ball. He's got a good late offload, does a lot of work in defense. Um, Tohu Harris too. I think he, he's got some knee issues again. I think we've seen a knee clash there where he attempted a tackle on, I think, Nick Meany. Um Nickel Clogstad too. So we're talking about some big names here, some big name players that, you know, contribute heavily to the Warriors, particularly their attack, to have those players leave the field and then and then still stay in it for as long as they did. You know, the Storm, you know, they finished strong quite late, but really impressed with, you know, what the Warriors are doing right now. They 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 looked they looked the first fifteen minutes, they looked as, as good as any team in the comp um that I've seen in, in the first eight weeks. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd go even as far as say they looked as good as potentially even 2011 Warriors, the, the first half, maybe mm. even the first 60. You know, I yeah. really do think the – and we'll get to the officiating. I do think that Dylan Walker-Sinbin was a bit tough, yeah. Um, yeah, just a little bit tough. But what, <laughs> what I love about the Warriors is, is that they come into this game and it's almost a month of reckoning for them because they play some of the best teams in the comp over the next month. And a lot of the questions – coming into this game was, are the Warriors the real deal? Can they stick it to the top-tier teams? Because they've, they haven't had an easy draw by any stretch. They've played the Roosters or whatever. But mm. they, ha- they also haven't played a lot of the top-dog teams. And what I love for the Warriors is, 
is they have proven to themselves and their fans they absolutely can match it with a tippity top. It was a gutsy performance. I truly believe that they've turned a corner as a club. And this is just the beginning. That's what's so exciting for the Warriors. We are just getting started because we haven't spoken about it, Smithy. Roger Tuovasashek has nah, re-signed with the club. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Big news. Huge news for Warriors and, and the game as a whole, Kempi, mm. um, to have Roger back. And, you know, before he left, he, he's gone over and done his little stint with uh, Rugby Union. Like, he, he was one of the game's superstars. Mm. And to be to be honest, he was like – when I sat back and watched other games of football, he was one of my favourite players to watch. Just, just watching him, you know, run the ball, and when he got into open space, and you see him doing his his big left and right foot step, his goose steps, all that type of stuff. Mm. And on top of it, he's champion champion guy too. Just a really down to earth, um, down to earth guy. Won a Deli, he's a Deli M medalist. Yeah, he won a Deli M. So, um, great to have him back in the game. I. I wonder what he has to play fullback though, doesn't he? Mm. I don't, so so I wonder what that that means for Chance. Um, oh, actually with... no. So I've got some mail from some uh, really really good mail as well, okay. Smitty. Okay. Uh, centre. He will be playing centre. Really? Yeah. Yep. And this is this isn't just like you know whispers or whatever. This is really yep. good mail. Uh, I was told even before the signing happened. Wow. He was signed as a centre. Mate. Mm. You got all the costs. Oh, mate, look. So you're talking to Andrew Webster. Look, Webby got off the phone last the night. The coach. And he said, mate, Kempi, don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> i got a secret. Straight, straight on to the captain's <laughs> underneath. <laughs> well done. Oh, okay. So okay, so he's going to play centre, which is where he, he's been playing there um, in, his, in his rugby. Um, mm. He's been playing inside or outside centre. But, you know, very different in the league, but... You know he's that versatile. He can he can play wing. He can play fullback, and I'm I'm sure you know he's got he's got the size and the speed to play in the centres. Mm. Um, and you know he's uh, no doubt. I'm I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job if that's where he's playing. Yeah, because what I love about the centre position is the fact that you know fullbacks these days, unless your name's Latrell Mitchell, you basically you have to guarantee around 175 to 250 metres a game. Anything mm. less than that and you're just not giving your team enough of a go-forward coming out of your end. What I love about this is because the game is sped up, look at Joey Manu. Look what he does from centre. And the difference between Joey Manu at the Roosters, they've got Tedesco, Suali'i, Manu, Cheese, all these ball runners they need to get you know time to. Whereas the good thing about the Warriors is they don't have a bunch of different blokes that they need to get the ball to. So you've mm. essentially got this situation where you know RTS can come in whenever he likes yeah. work hard when he wants to, when they've got quick play of the balls, and then just go back out into his center, relax, rest. I'm not saying it's easy out in the centers, but it's, you know, obviously you're not, not doing as much Ks as fullback, and yeah. he keeps the body fresher for longer. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's that's good call. And, you know, he's getting a little bit older now, which, you know, I'm not saying that he's, he's slowed down or whatnot, but I, I, I totally agree with you. Being out there can take a little bit of that workload off him and, um, he can pick and choose when he comes into the game. I reckon he, he'll play. I reckon he'll play a similar style to like a Joey Manu. For sure. Where For sure. you know, like he's extremely dangerous, getting the ball close to the ruck. You know, running around tied forwards, and um, he can create quick play of the balls with you know his his good footwork and um, you know late footwork, particularly at the line. Um, oh yeah, mate! I can't wait. I'm I'm excited. I'm so excited to see him back, and and I hope he goes really well. 
Now, I uh, just want to give a quick shout-out, though, to Storm in regards to... So you had your, your Cam Munster, that a couple of big moments, 40-20, obviously he scored the try. Harry mm-hmm. Grant, you know, a lot of ball running, which is really good. Yep. Um, but Nick Meany, I, I, yeah. just, I just want to give him <laughs> such big raps, man, because I'll be honest, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully, but a couple of years ago, I considered him a fringe NRL player. And this is coming yep. from a guy that's been dropped to reserve grade, so I'm not like, <laughs> I'm worse than him. <laughs> uh, he's had a better career yeah. than me. Um, but I just think that he has improved so much this season and is a big reason why the Melbourne Storm, even though you haven't played your best footy, even close to your best footy outside of yeah. maybe that one game, yeah. is in the fight right now. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. He was enormous last night. He got through plenty of work, as you said. Um, outside of Big Nelson, um, you know, Nick was – he was, you know, the best player on the field. He actually picked up the Anzac medal for oh, wow. um, player of the match. He was he was voted as, as player of the match. Um, I think it's voted by uh, both coaches, actually. Um, so they, they, they award the player of the game. Um, I would have gone for Big Nelson just because of, you know, how he changed the game when he came on and he had some pretty big sort of moments, particularly with the football. Uh, but, but Nick Meany and, and speaking with Craig Bellamy, it probably backs up what you're saying, uh, can about, about Nick. W- when he first arrived at the club, he was very sort of quiet. Um, and, and in some ways a little bit, um, lacked a bit of confidence within himself. And, and that may have been because of the situation that, um, he he was in with the Bulldogs where the Bulldogs they they weren't winning many games mm. over the last you know sort of two two three seasons that he was a part of so he probably lacked a bit of confidence within himself to go out and 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 you know play to his strengths or or even try and express you know his best football on on the training paddock or even in the games mm. but I, but I think they've they've really worked hard with him um particularly over the last couple of preseasons to say mate look Look, we're backing you here. Like the, this is, we're giving you a role in this footy side, and we need you to go out and do it. And I think now, particularly this year, um, you know, he was great. He was fantastic last year, but this year we're, we're seeing the very best of Nick Meany because he's now he's got the confidence within himself to go out and do those things. You know, to bring his strengths to the game, bring his strengths to the footy side, and the way he got involved, his involvement last night, huge, mm. huge. Like running, running the ball, um, you know, mid set, getting on the end of you know backline plays, which which yeah, like, which all fullbacks need to do. But just his timing and the the input that he's having on you know, a lot of the set plays is is fantastic. So um, he he was yeah, like I said, it, I had Nelson as best on ground, but he wasn't far behind Nick Meany, which yeah, he picked up the Anzac medal. So well done to him. And also, just quick shout-out to Olam. I thought he came back with a vengeance oh, this week. Oh, Juzzy. <laughs> oh, wow. He was like, oh, man. Oh, there's no way he wasn't sitting there. You know what? I reckon he was lying in bed and he's got a TV on his roof and he just <laughs> replayed that hit over and over and got angrier and angrier and came out and absolutely blitzed it. He just shut all the curtains, dark room, <laughs> just watched it on rerun the whole time. Oh, mate. He was fired up. Yeah, they tackle breaks. They tackle breaks. He was breaks. fired up. He, well, he came up with a, a huge run, didn't he? Um, which, which I, I think they ended up scoring on the back of that set. But he had a carry from his own end. He beat like he beat like three or four defenders, ran about forty meters, got got the storm up to the halfway, and I think they carried on down the field and scored another try. So, yeah, some big moments for some key players in the storm last night, which is good signs. But I'm sure, you know, that 
I'm sure Craig will break that down. They've got the bye this week, the Storm, so they've got a few days off. Um, but I'm sure he'll be breaking that down when they get back and say, hey, listen, like great victory, big occasion, Anzac Day. Um, but, hey, we're still we're a little bit off our best and we need to work hard to get back there. I'm hearing whispers Bellyache's going to send him on an army camp during bye round. <laughs> That's just whispers, though. No confirmation. No confirmation. Uh, <laughs> now, we're about yeah. to head to a break, yeah. but before we do... Bloke jerseys, limited edition, 2023, are available at www.bloke.shop. Limited amount, guys. I reckon they'll be gone over the next few weeks. Make sure to head there. They're only $99. Most jerseys are around the 160s. These are old school, old material, made to last. 2023 jerseys. We will never do this design again. That's at bloke.shop, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Let's have a quick injury wrap from Round 8. Thanks to Victor School and Sports Club Supplies. Visit victorsports.com.au. Smithers, what do we got? Mate, we, we, we can find an injury at the moment in oh, wow. this competition. It seems like it's just building and building each week. Um, Daniel Tupo, hamstring. Tautau Moga, he's done a shoulder tour. Who Harris, as we mentioned just earlier. Knee, which I think he aggravated. I think he, he's actually been playing with a bit of a dodgy knee over the last couple of weeks, but aggravated that last night. Hopefully he's not out. Big uh, big player out for the Warriors, as is Chan's Niggle Klogstad as well. Concussion, the same as Ali Katoa, Bailey Sirinan, um, all out with concussion. Jazz Tavanga, Achilles. i actually seen some vision of him in a, uh, in a moon boot. Uh-oh. After that game, so that that didn't look good um, for for Jazz. Uh, big out for the Warriors again. They're traveling so well, but they might be crueled by some injuries. Corey Oates, first game back um, for the Broncos from a, a broken jaw, was out for five weeks. He's strained his PCL. Oh no! So he's going to be out for another month, and Ugh. was fantastic on his return as well mm. um, from that broken jaw. So he's going to miss another four weeks. I think Jesse. Arthur's comes back into the side. Uh, Isaac Tungol, he's done his peck, he, so he'll be out for six weeks. Liam Martin, hamstring. Still a lot of uncertainty around Liam Martin, um, not being in the back row for the Penrith Panthers. And Regan Campbell-Gillard, uh, groin injury, as we've seen against the Broncos. He's going to miss a, uh, a fair bit, Campy. I think he's going to be out for a couple of months, actually. Uh-oh, not good. Not good for New no. South Wales as well. Yeah. You know, one of their Big warm out. front rowers. I will say as well, the Warriors now have Nickel Klokstad. He was a uh, 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 category two, but mm-hmm. I think Elika Toa, and I'm not sure on Bailey Sirinan, but Elika Toa, unless getting special clearance, will miss two games because they have two games in an eleven game turnaround, eleven day turnaround. Wow! Ouch! That hurts. Wow! That hurts. They do. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because they yeah, Tuesday into yeah, quick backup against Roosters. Yeah. And then Penrith. Yeah. Two of the toughest games oh. on your on your uh, schedule. Uh, Victor and Victor School and Sports Club Supplies supplying school and sports throughout Australia. Visit victorsports.com.au. Uh, oh, look, let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of these texts here that are coming through, Smitty. <laughs> um, what do you got there, mate? Any, any texts there you got that you want to? Um, yeah, great show, guys. Did either one of you, I'll go to you, Camby, did either one of you ever get offered a contract or consider playing for a Sydney-based club? That's from Scotty and Cronulla. I was offered and agreed to a contract with the Bulldogs and, uh, you know, it's all agreed to. The players <laughs> yep. knew about it. Everything was yep. going to go ahead. 
Then I got a call from a manager one day and said, uh, no, nah, they're no longer interested. And I said, what the <laughs> hell? What the hell is going on here? It was actually the biggest contract I'd ever been offered. It wasn't huge. It was, I think it was about 150. I'd never wow. been on more than the most I ever got paid was 90. Um, anyway, yep. so he goes, yep, they're no longer interested. And I was like, oh, what the hell's going on here? So I still had an extra year to go on my Warriors deal. So I yep. could choose to have stayed at the Warriors for that extra year because I was contractually obligated, even though mm-hmm. that we'd mutually agreed that maybe it was best that I moved on. Anyway, yep. a couple of days later, a winger that was with the same manager signed with the Bulldogs. No way. So, uh, look, he was going, hmm, I've got did one manager, guy. Who... Did the manager get dropped? Uh, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Couldn't believe it. Because oh, basically no. he sat there and said, you know, Denon has a guaranteed contract next year. I've got this mm-hmm. winger that can't get a deal. They're both similar-ish in stature. Yep. Anyway, that's uh, that's my story about a, a Sydney club. What about you, Smithy? Um, no, that's a that's a pretty uh, short answer. Oh, okay. Easy answer. No, I didn't. No, didn't. Never considered playing up there, and didn't get an offer to play there either. Really? Um, it- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Well, there was a New South Wales side. It wasn't in Sydney, of course, but um, I actually went up for a little visit with the Raiders. No way. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. End of end I'll tell you when too. Um ten it was at the end of two thousand and two. So <laughs> oh both <laughs> both myself and Richard Swain, who was the number nine at the time at the storm when I signed, and terrific player, terrific person. Mm. Both he and I were off contract. Um and so I thought, well, like I I, I, I sort of I, I was resigned to the fact that they were gonna resign um Richard. Mm. And I'd have to move on. So I actually went up um, for a trip up to Canberra just to have a look around the town, had a look at the, the training facilities, the ground. Obviously, you know, I'd been up there. I'd seen it all before, but had a little bit of a tour. And uh, the storm ended up saying, oh, we're going to take a punt on this young fella. Wow. And so they, they, they re-signed me. What yeah. an error. Yeah, what an absolute so error that was, by the storm. That was the only little... Uh, <laughs> what a bad <laughs> that call. Was, that was the only little sort of... I guess little trip to anywhere outside of uh, Melbourne or into New South Wales. Sorry, yeah. I mean, look, pundits are saying they're, not, they're still unsure whether they signed the right guy. They're still <laughs> unsure. <laughs> That's what the pundits are saying. That's what the pundits uh, are saying. We're yeah. going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to get to all your footy news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the captain's run, and I've got to give a quick shout out because Schnitz have just arrived. I've just had some. It's as beautiful as always. Oh, my God, their schnitties are unmatched. But let's get into it. Uh, thanks to the SCN app. Download it today for free in the App Store and listen anywhere, anytime. This is, uh, you know, this this segment for us is an interesting one because the Roosters, we've got Tommy here. Every week he walks in and he goes, oh, I'm fairly targeted and we're just this mm. poor little Sydney club that just don't have that much resources and rah, rah. But anyway... <laughs> I just Tommy's want, shaking his head. Tommy's shaking his head, which is which means I'm, it's true. It's true. But uh, the Dragons obviously defeat the uh, sorry the Roosters defeat the Dragons, twenty seven twenty six, and basically they I guess you know the Victor Radley sin binning is a big story out of it. He's now become the most sin bin player of the modern era, and there's a feeling that uh, Radley was unfairly targeted. Uh, I guess. You know, first of all, what do you think of the game, Smithy, and also of the officiating? Well, first up, great game of footy. Uh, it looked like the Roosters were just going to run away with it quite convincingly. Um, but, you know, the fight that the Dragons showed 
uh, particularly you know in the back half of the game where they reeled off what was it three three tries in about eight minutes to level the scores up at twenty six each, impressive and and really just a reflection of the day, um, which was you know the the long standing uh, Anzac game that these two clubs have played against each other, and you love to see the the close battles um, in these big matches, um, and it was only a, a Kiri field goal that separated them in the end. So to the two teams, you know, congratulations on what was a, a great game. Um, but to the Victor Radley incident, watching it live and even in the replays, I, I still feel as though that it was the contact was made with his head. Yeah, I feel well, I feel as though it was, it was a head clash. Um, but but the officials were saying it was with the shoulder. Mm. I'm pretty sure, which you know, and I don't know, like. Do you go as far as saying if it was any other player than Victor Radley, would they have been penalised? Possibly. Possibly. Because there's this whole, you know, sort of theme or or, or story line around Victor Radley is, you know, he, he comes in um, to these tackles quite clumsily and, and, you know, gets his head in the wrong position and throws his arms out and... You know, the, how many like he's the most sin bin player in the NRL era. But how many this year? Is that five this year? Four or we five? Might have to get, yeah, four or five. It's, it's nine. It's nine in his in his career. Nine total. But I'd say four of them were this year, Campy. Mm. You know, so there's probably this this you know there's a stigma around around him at the moment that you know he's whenever he makes these type of tackles, it's it's something illegal happened, but. For mine, oh, what else? What else, like? I don't know what he's done wrong there. He's come in to make a a, a front on tackle, and he's just had uh, head contact with with an opposition player. It happens a lot. Mm. I, I don't know what else he could have done there. Oh, mate, I, I totally agree. I, I this this word duty of care gets bandied around a lot. You know, the defensive player has a duty of care. No, no player on the field has a duty of care to anything. It's actually the referees that have a duty of care, and it's the players to play within the rules. Now, what I don't understand with the Victor Radley situation is, even if you want to say that he his shoulder did hit his chin or whatever, like there are so many mitigating circumstances of the player with the ball turning his back. Um, it, it wasn't overly forceful. He didn't shoot out of the line. What I'm not understanding is, is there's a massive universe between a penalty and 10 in the bin. He's had three sin bins this year and the other ones, okay, let's just say they're warranted. But I thought this one is, look, at minimum, if Luke Keery goes out and does the same tackle, there is no way he's going to the bin. There's no mm. way he's going to the bin. But we actually have audio of Trent Robertson after the game. Yep. Okay. The angles that I, I just went and had a look at it over and over again. So I see the head clash. You know, that's the 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 shots that I, I didn't see any shoulder contact um, from any. I don't think any of the televisions that I saw. Um, but I know there's more angles. So uh, Rads was adamant that it was head on head. You see where the head contact is. Um, but yeah, unless uh, unless they show more angles there. Um, then I can only go on what I've seen so far. Uh, I think Victor gets treated differently, yeah, just because of the, the aggression that he plays with, yeah. And so my, my concern when I hear that is that 
if it's so touch and go, if so many are sort of like, look, I thought it was head, then some people are like, oh, maybe there was a little bit of shoulder in it. It's like, mm. how does that deserve 10 in the bin? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's one of the more frustrating things in the game at the moment from a fan's point of view, if not the most frustrating thing, is that they're, they're watching this game and – you you finish watching a game and, and you think you're scratching your heads thinking, why was that a sin bin? Why was that a penalty? What what's happening to our game? Mm. And and it's concerning to hear, you know, Trent Robinson talk about how he's targeted because of his aggressive nature. Isn't that what our sport is all about? Yeah. Like you have to play aggressively because if you don't, you get beaten. And you're <laughs> these footballers. Right, the men and the women, all the coaches—they're—they're—they're they're, they're paid to go out and win these games. Mm-hmm. They're not paid to just to be out there to you know to look nice in a jersey and put on a bit of a, a spectacle. Like what what game do we want our sport to look like? Because I tell you what, it's changing very quickly with the with the way we're asking our referees to officiate games. I'll go back to the Storm Warriors game last night and not sure, not too sure how many people seen it because it was late, big Anzac Day, probably had a few froffies under uh-huh. the belt by, by 7 o'clock kickoff. But Christian Welsh come out to make a tackle, right? He comes out to make a normal tackle, you know, a uh, bit of a swinging arm, clean miss, but because it looked, because it looked overly aggressive and, you know, the, I, I believe the referee just assumed he'd done something wrong, blew a penalty straight away, straight away. Yeah. Christian Welsh being the captain of the storm, he had the ability to, to challenge it because he knew that he made absolutely no contact, challenged the call, slow-mo replay, did not touch him one bit. If he did, he, he, maybe, he maybe brushed a hair follicle mm. of the Warriors player. So this is, what, this is what I'm saying. If something looks overly aggressive – or spectacular in a, in a tackle, the referees just they they blow their whistle straight away. They blow their whistle straight away, thinking, "Oh, look, someone something's someone's done something illegal here, or or something to hurt a, another player." I think we're forgetting the fact that our game is a very physical game played by tough people, and and knowingly that they're, they're aware as soon as they step onto the field, when they put their football boots and their, and their playing kit on, when they step onto the field, they know there's every chance that something could go wrong and they could get hurt. Now, we're not saying let's, let's just go back to the bad old days and it's open slather, but when accidents are going to occur, and I'm, you know, I think you, you're probably tired of this, Kempi, as well, but I'm sick of banging on about it. But, you know, like, unfortunately, it's going to happen. Injuries are going to happen in our game. It's the ones where... There's intent or, you know, like severely careless tackles that are made where they injure people. That That's the ones we need to stamp out of our game. But, you know, this hip drop thing's got out of control. Um, you know, players barely being brushed across the face. You know, players are getting 10 minutes in the sin bin for that. Even even the Dylan Walker one last night, Kempi. Oh. All right, where Ellie Katoa... Yeah, he, he, he certainly was concussed, visibly, visibly concussed. But but to put Dylan Walker in the sin bin for a head slam, again, from the vision, 
he, he certainly hit his head on the ground hard. But from the vision, I, I, I didn't see a whole lot in that tackle where Dylan Walker actually slammed Ellie Katoa's head into the ground. Mate. I, I, I don't know. And, and that's that's me talking about a Storm player being injured. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I'm I'm not being biased towards a, the Storm club here. I'm, I'm actually defending Walker, who plays for the Warriors. So... Yeah, I, I don't know, mate. I, the, the, the game is changing so much at the moment. And I, and I feel as though it's going to, I don't know, the, the fabric of the game is, is, is almost disappearing. It's, it's what our game is built on. It's why so many people love it. Um, the confusing thing is, right, the confusing thing is, we're, we're stamping out all these aggressive things in our game, yet whenever I see a commercial <laughs> for State of Origin or a commercial for magic round or whatever it is promoting our game what do we what do we watch big hits big hits big hits mm. blokes getting whacked on the ground it's that's all it is big yep. tackles big collisions yep yet we don't we we want to penalize players when they do that in the game these days it's funny it's almost like double standards, isn't it? Yeah, mate. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Even the Luke Keary penalty where he got tackled literally whilst kicking the ball. Like, the ball hadn't <laughs> been kicked yet. Lomax tackles him. Penalty straight away. Just because, like, we're going to get to a point where our halves are like quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. And they can literally just stand there and basically do whatever they want because there's no point in even putting any pressure on them. Like... You, you get penalties. If you run and put pressure on a player and then push him after he kicks it, you literally mm. will get penalized. Mm. Which is like, where, where was this huge increase in injury from being pushed after a kick? I, I, don't, I didn't see it. I mean, I must have been watching a different game. Like, were, were, we sitting, were we sitting there going, there's this massive epidemic of blokes getting tackled after they kick the ball, getting injured? Like, I yeah. just, it, it, does, it makes no sense to me. And the Dylan Walker one, I just want to know where was the show me what was illegal about what he did. He had the ball wrapped up. Yep. He took him to the ground aggressively, and yep. unfortunately, Katoa hit his head. If yep. Katoa does the exact same thing and gets up and plays the ball, it is not even looked at twice. Like we wouldn't even even it, would, it wouldn't even be talked about. Players are taken to the ground like that. I mean, we're all taught: you wrap the ball up, I'll wrap around the other side. You take his legs, we take him to the ground together. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to know what's the illegal part of what Dylan Walker did outside of be aggressive. Is it illegal well, now to be aggressive? Yeah, that's right, mate. And I think it is. That's where the game is going. When when players, when they when they tackle other uh, ball carriers, and it's and it's it's done done so with uh, a lot of force, and you can see it's it's an aggressive style of tackle. The NRL that uh, they're, they're trying to it's like they're trying to exterminate eliminate whatever word you want to use, that style of play from our game, which is, it, it's, I, I don't have a word for it because that's what our game is. It's what separates our game from every other sport. And it's why so many people love our game. It's because it is so different. It's so confrontational. It's so physical. Where other sports just don't have that, that part of their, their um, that, that part of, or that style of, of um, you know action or, or in their in their own game, mm. they they don't get to view that. that. That's why fans pay money to come and watch that type of stuff. Mm. I don't know, mate. It's 
Yeah, it's 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 confusing. It's frustrating at times. It's I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just an old player that's you know looking at the game now and it's very different and don't know. I can't get my head around it. I don't know. But I just think that a lot of the times we're overreacting um, to to things that are happening on the field, which we should just we it's we should just accept it's part of our game. Yeah, agreed. Really and, should. And like the one thing coming from soccer to league, the one hard thing was the toughness. That was the only, like everything yeah. else, the skill set, I could learn yeah. it. It was the toughness that separated it yeah. from anything else I'd ever played before. Anyway, we have to head to a break. After the break, we've got so much more to talk about. Time now to break down the best hands in the NRL. Thanks to Schnitz, the best hands in the schnitzel business. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. And Smithy, he's just got his schnitz and he looks happy as Larry. <laughs> happy as Larry. Uh, I did. Mate. It's lovely. Best hands, thanks to Schnitz. What do we got today? Best hands, thanks to Schnitz. And a big thank you to Schnitz, actually. You were uh, backing up what you said, mate. I just picked up my meal and I, I just got it down <laughs> before, just as we come out of that ad break. So thank you very much. Schnitz, beautiful. Um, one point this week. We, Will Kennedy, his big leap above Hayes Perham to score his first try, uh, first of three tries against the Bulldogs. Um, Will playing some great footy, one point to him. Trail Mitt, two points uh, for that ridiculous flick pass to Alex Johnston oh, wow. against the Panthers. Just that round the back. It, was, it, was, it wasn't just a flick pass. It was a flick pass around the back of an opponent player and hit um, and hit AJ on the chest, and he ran downfield about 30 metres, but he was on fire, uh, Trail Mitt, on the weekend. Uh, but three points, and this probably betters it just – um, was Ezra Mam's flick pass, his right-hand flick pass to Adam Reynolds to score against the Broncos. If you can remember back, they ran it on the last tackle. They sent some kick pressure out at Adam Reynolds. He turned it back inside to Ezra Mam. He broke the line, got to the fullback, and just flicked that ball back on the inside to Adam Reynolds. Amazing play by the young fella. Three points to him. There it is. There's Schnitz biting a golden, delicious handcrafted schnitzels. After the break, wrap up the first hour. Welcome back to the captain's run with Cameron Smith. Now let's get to some uh, some text here, Smithy. Uh, got one here. I'm predicting in 20 years it's going to be touch football, and in this day and age, <laughs> there has to be a way where the bunker sees the public on TV and the coaches go, "Oh no, my computer's frozen." Anyway, I get the drift. I get the drift of what you're saying. Mark yep. from Prairiewood in Sydney. Um, yep, there you go. Uh, also got a message from Spud. He said, I was more disturbed to see the bloke Welsh missed get up holding his head. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That's Bud Carroll? I think it is, actually. Uh, hey, <laughs> Beak and Smithy, massive fans of the show. I'm a diehard Doggies fan and just want to know, with the axing of Flano this week, when would you play Carl Oluwapu? We will get to that later in the show, mate. Yep. See you on the other side of the app. Welcome back to the Captain's Run. We actually have a caller, but before we get to him, we're here for Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. We've got a caller. Shane, you there, mate? Kempi, Smitty, how you going, boys? Hey, Shano. Look, um, just on the Storm forward pack, I'm pretty sure Billy Ake will start Big Nelson as of next week or the week after when they come off the bye. He won't be on the bench again. But on the back row, I know they're not the biggest back row, but you look at Josh King-Liero and um, Young Katoa, they're all got an offload in them, and they all work hard together. I wouldn't be swapping that back row for anybody. I'm not exaggerating here. They don't do many mistakes. They all hit hard. There's a couple of gaps last night. I know we're lacking a bit of size. But we get Big Tui back in a couple of weeks. Well, she's back to form. I'm confident that pack 
can go all the way. Mate, absolutely, Shane. It's a, it's a great point you make, and I've been super impressed by. Well, Josh King, he he had a fantastic year last year, and early in the show, I touched on you know the, those players that really that really impressed Craig Bellamy and the style of play that he loves, and and Kingy's certainly one of those. But Eli Katoa, he he come across to the Storm, you know, with some pretty big raps. He had a breakout season at the Warriors, um, and we were fortunate enough to uh, get his signature down at the Storm. Trent Liero, another young man who, who's been a part of the club for several years, um, made his debut back in 2021, played about four or five games, maybe a few more that season. But, um, mate, they they, are, they have been super impressive. I, I completely agree with you, Shane. I, I think they don't have the profile or the, or the big names like a lot of the other players in the competition, but, but the role that they play and the work that they do consistently for the Melbourne Storm is as good as as good as any other back rowers in the comp. Shane, as yeah. well. Just, oh, look. Just my two cents on look. it as well, Shane. It's um, it's really interesting because Storm have notoriously had almost under-the-radar back rows. So you obviously had mm-hmm. Dale Finucane that would just get through a mountain of work at 13 for a quite a while. Then you would have Bromwich and Kafusi who never got the raps they could. So I actually believe that it's a similar balanced side to some of the Storm's best sides. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, and also I'm um, I'm hearing boys that um, uh, Bellyache is so in love with uh, Josh King, he's going to adopt him. <laughs> that means it'd be his second adoption. Wasn't Smithy his first or what? No, please, uh, no, hey. no. I tell you, I tell you, he's got he's got three he's got three maybe four adopted sons. Dallas Johnson, yeah. one. Ryan Hinchcliffe, yeah. Dale Finucane, <laughs> now Josh King. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Shane, yeah. mate, uh, thanks for calling, mate. We really appreciate Good on you, Shane. Good uh, chat. There we go. No, it's, it, it is interesting because, you know, they lost Bromwich. They lost Kofusi, obviously Finucane a couple of years ago. I know I know Cheese rotated through there. But if Katoa can hit the straps, we know he can. He yeah. can give you the attacking flair that Bromwich gave you. And yes. if Leoro can continue, his progress is just a really strong defender and good reads, gets through his work, he can mm. replicate what Kafusi did. Yeah, exactly. And two young men still, you know, learning their trade, Kempi. Like, so the, the, their best football is still in front of them. I, I just bet the thing that I've been impressed with most is how, like, they've stepped into pretty big shoes. Oh, man. Right? They're stepping into Kenny Bromwich um, and Felice Kafusi's you know, sort of legacy that they've left at the Storm. Like, they're, they're multiple premiership players at that club, club legends and, you know, representative players. So mm-hmm. the way they've been able to step into, uh, you know, that, that wearing the 11 and 12 jersey and, and play the way they have has just been um, – it's, it's, it's been really, you know, great to watch um, them young guys go around and play so consistently well. But consistent being, you know, the, the word there for me – because you you can get young guys come out and have sort of you know breakout games or breakout seasons where you see them they get up for a couple of games and then they quieten off for a little bit and then they come back into it. But these two guys they've been great all season, mate. I absolutely agree. And I think Trent Leorio is just getting better each game, more confident, stronger in contact. Now, huge news, absolutely. You know, you could argue some of the biggest news we've seen in quite a while in the transfer market. Jackie Whiten signs with the Rabbitohs reported yesterday. The Raiders half Whiten set to sign a one uh, four year deal with the Rabbitohs starting from 2024. A Raiders official confirmed to Sydney Morning Herald that Whiten informed Ricky Stewart and his Raiders teammates teammates on Tuesday afternoon. The Raiders offered Whiten 
reportedly around 1.1, but is he expected to sign with the Bunnies on a deal worth 800 per season, 800K that is? Mm-hmm. Rabbitohs coach Jason Demetrio has indicated he will use Wyden in the centres. What do you make of the deal, Smithy? Oh, big. That's huge signing for the wow. Rabbits. Wow. Huge signing. Um, when you're adding someone like Jack Whiten to your roster, when you've already got players like Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, um, Lachlan Ilias, who's going from strength to strength, and, and, and a very potent backline already in, in 2023, to add him to your roster on top of him saying, look, I'm not playing representative football anymore. So you know he's got you've got his full commitment to the premiership season uh, that we know, um, you know, commitments throughout the year where he goes away on state of origin camps and, and whatnot. His sole focus and energy will be on trying to win a premiership with the bunnies. Now <laughs> there's plenty of noise around this move though, um, coming out of, you know, the Raiders camp and they've, they've, they've actually, they've requested an investigation Wow! from the NRL into uh, this this offer of what is reported at eight hundred thousand a season from the Rabbitohs, and and re- I think questioning how they're able to table that offer, Kempi. Mate, there is a bit of noise around it, and I do not understand it. You know, since the the dawn of time, players have been taking less than what they could get somewhere else yeah. uh, to go to clubs for different reasons. Um, you could even argue. I know there are. Pl- I know there are players that got offered one over a million dollars mm. and took six or seven hundred k. Even when I was coming through at the Broncos, it was a known fact that our senior players would talk to each other and say, "Boys, if you want to win a premiership, we got to come together and be on less than what we could get elsewhere." Uh, also, I'm not understanding anyone that thinks that Jackie Whiten is automatically a $1 million player when I think we all agree, mostly that's reserved for premiership winners. What do you think, Smithy? Yeah. Well, the $1 million sort of price tag is thrown around pretty willy nilly these days. Mm. Like there's, there's so many players that are, you know, you know, rumored to be on that or offered that or just tossed up in, in stories about, well, he's a million dollar player. He should be playing getting paid a million dollars. I don't believe so. I think there's probably three or four players in our comp that should be getting a million a million dollars. Mm. Um, but that's a that's another discussion to have. Jack Whiten, um, you know, eight hundred a year, that's a lot of money. Oh, eight hundred thousand. Particularly particularly when he's being bought for eight hundred thousand and playing in the centres. Yeah. I think market value when you when you're looking at any would there would there be any other centre in the competition getting paid eight hundred thousand right now? Only Holmes, but he was signed under a million dollars as a fullback. Wasn't as he? a fullback, there yes. you go. And Holmes was an absolute superstar of our game that was mm. being brought back from overseas. Like he wasn't even signed for a million dollars. It was around the nine hundred k mark. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like if if eight hundred thousand, like and what. I'm trying to get my. I'm trying to understand what the issue is. Is the issue that Canberra have with this move? Are they saying that if he moves to um, the Rabbitohs for 800, that they're getting him for unders? That they should be paying more? Is that is that is that what it is? Because I I tend to you know agree with you, mate. Is that if he wants to move and get paid less, well, that's his prerogative. Yeah. If you want to move. If you want to play for someone else and be paid less and it's all above board, then what's the issue? It's just 
unlucky. You've missed out. You've Mate. missed out this time, Raiders. And I know he's he's been a you know he's been a long servant of the club. And to be fair, the Canberra Raiders have stood by Jack White throughout his career when he's had some issues away from the field. You know, so I will. I'm you know I think we need to acknowledge that as well. So I guess as part of you know the frustration of him moving, I think a lot of it is is towards that is that they've shown a lot of support towards Jack White and. Um, not only his football career, but helping him off-field as well when there's been a few issues and, and getting him back on the park and getting his life straightened out. I, you know, I, I completely acknowledge that. But it's just come a point in time where Jack feels as though it's time to go elsewhere. It's time to, you know, it, it could be a, it could be a move to move his family to Sydney. It could be a move, um, you know, that he feels as though that, you know, he's coming towards the end of his career. And he may not feel that there's an opportunity to win a premiership with the Raiders. It's going to be elsewhere and it's going to be with the Rabbitohs. So, you know, you just don't know. It could be a combination of all of those th- all of those things. I just don't understand why we have to dig and question and probe and, um, you know, put in these, these type of complaints and, and get investigations into how or why he's moving elsewhere for less money. Like, if there's issues or there's red flags come up with an offer from a rival club, I'm sure the NRL will flag that. That's They have they employ people to do that in their salary cap auditing setup. So unless there's red flags from that end, I don't know how clubs can request investigations. Mate, I totally agree. And I, I think it's – we're not talking about a bloke going for 400K or 300K. Like There are minimum <laughs> yeah. values that we all can agree that, okay, that's a bit dodgy, you know, like – because otherwise teams would go out and they'd go, let's offer everyone minimum and guarantee them a premiership. We're talking about $800,000 here. <laughs> That's what I mean. And it's heavily back it's 800. Like it's oh. it's going to go up in the back end of his his um his deal as his well. His term. Yeah. Like I think you would find every single club, if, if you were to know the salaries, I guarantee you'd be shocked at some of the salaries that some players are on, like unders that they're on. Uh, compared yeah. to other players. You would be absolutely shocked. It happens at every club. Any club that wants to win a premiership, what, what we're mainly known for so long for with that group of players, and it was almost the, the massive falling out that they had at the club yeah. because they'd all agreed to take less. Yeah. And that and that was the story at the time, is that they, they sacrificed making big money to to stay around. Yeah. So it's not it's not a new thing. It's It's been happening for a long time, and it happens... You know, throughout all the clubs, um, and you know, this is just another occasion where I think Jack Whiten's he's seen a, a a greater opportunity to play elsewhere, or or you know, to to find success, or maybe maybe he just wants to change. Like, what's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with with wanting a change of scenery? Yeah. Or a different different club to play at? I, I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a strange one. I'm, I'm as I said, mate. I'm I'm trying to understand what the big issue is. I'm. I'm assuming, which you know, at times it's it's very dangerous to assume things, mate. But um, I'm assuming it's yeah, <laughs> it's it's the difference, it's the variation in um, the offers. So it's one point one and eight hundred. So it's a difference of three hundred each year over four, one point two million. Which they're saying, mate, you're passing out one point two million. What's doing? Mm. Um, that doesn't add up. But you know, why why not? If he's happy to forego. An extra one point two million over four years, that's his decision. Yeah, 
That's his decision. And unless when it's lodged with the NRL through um, from the South Sydney Rabbitohs to the NRL and goes through their salary cap auditing process, if there's no red flags, what's the issue? And, and also, like, why does Whiten's priority have to be the same as everyone else's priority? You know, oh, that's what I mean, mate. Yeah, yeah, like, like pretty, <laughs> yeah. absolutely agree. Well, maybe he wants to play with his mate Latrell. Maybe he wants to start a business in Sydney. Maybe his missus yeah. wants to be in Sydney. Maybe his yep. kids want to be. There are so many other things that is more important than money. And as I said, yeah, if you went back in the history books and looked at all the salary caps, you would be mind blown at the amount of players that have been taking unders because there's some there's a lot of people that play rugby league that it means more to win comps or play a certain way yeah. than money means. Well well I think you talk about that great um <clears throat> that great manly side that stuck together for quite some time. I, I think there's a similar situation at the Broncos where, you know, they they had a lot of representative players, but I'm sure if they went out on the open market, their market value would be much more higher than what they were were being paid by the Broncos to stay at a powerhouse club. Yeah, because they knew they could they could play together with strong players, get the very best out of themselves, and at the end of the season have an opportunity to win a premiership trophy. Mm. I'm sure that would be the case. But anyway, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle with this one for some reason, um, and I think I think it all stems from. And I'm just again I'm I'm. Just putting forth my opinion, I might be completely wrong. I think it may stem from a little bit of frustration of, you know, there's a guy that um, that the club in the Canberra Raiders have stuck by through thick and thin for a long, long time, and I feel as though they they probably they feel as though that they've been let down by him choosing an, a rival club to go and play for. Yeah, I, I agreed. I totally agreed. Um, uh, so we've got a text here. Um, mm. From Aaron. Aaron, A-R-O-N. Wow, I like that. Uh, I have no problem with him taking unders, but it should go under the sales cap at market value. Market value is two or more offers tabled to the NRL for contract. This will keep the comp even and the cap successful in its duty. Guess what would happen? You know what I would do if I was a club? I would start offering players a bazillion dollars and I'd be in tandem with another club and just blow everyone's salary cap cap off if we did that. Yep. Again, we're talking about it's eight hundred thousand dollars. He's a centre. <laughs> he's not a yeah. he's not a rep six. He's not an Australian six. He's yep. a rep centre. That's that's a fair price for him. Um, we are going to head to a break. After the break, we've got plenty more to talk about, including our holy schnitz moment. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cam Smith. We are here for Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Smithy, do we have a Dallium update or what? We have got an update after the weekend's matches. The man out in front all on his own is the big man, Payne Haas. He's on 23 points. Oh, yeah. Payne Haas, he's doing some wonderful things. He's playing the house down at the moment. Playing the Haas down? Playing the Haas, I said. Yeah, the Haas. (laughs) The Haas? The Haas or the house? Um, Payne Haas is playing the house down. (laughs) Um, He's the leader at the moment. He's the current leader. Um, as we stand, 23 points. Coming in second, only two points behind Nathan Cleary on 21. Then we've got a couple of players uh, equal third on 20 points. That's Harry Grant and Reese Walsh. 18 points, Adam Reynolds. Well, there you go. There you go, mate. There's three Broncos players oh, yeah. in the top five. Um, so 
really, when you look at that, mate, th- those boys are doing a fantastic job being as high as they are given they play in the same team. Mm. So they're actually sort of taking points off each other. Uh, on 17 points, Locking Miller, Knights fullback. Yep. Uh, Dylan Edwards and also Sean Johnson. And then rounding out the top of the list on 16 points, Benny Hunt and Daly Cherry Evans. It's um, three Broncos in the top three. I mean, I'm happy with that. They are, oh, sorry, yeah. in the top four. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm actually torn because I feel like Nathan Cleary, there was a year there, and no disrespect to the person that won it this year, where mm-hmm. I really feel Cleary deserved it. It might have been two years ago. Yeah, I um, think that was – was that the year he made the TikTok and he missed a couple of games? Yeah, and maybe. Then got, I think, and then I think – was it, or was it the year he, he lifted – who did he lift and got suspended? I'm not sure, but it was, it was I think it was him, Gutho, years, and, and Jackie White, and I think Jackie White ended up yeah. getting it. No, that was 2020. 2020. Um, mm-hmm. and, and look, White had an incredible year. I just thought, anyway, I thought Cleary uh, could have won it then. I, he, I just, he's been there so close for the last few years. So part yeah. of me is like, I just want Nathan Cleary to get the dally in because he deserves it. Like to be the seven and the main guy of such mm-hmm. a dominant side, it would almost be a travesty if he didn't get a dally in. Maybe, maybe with the way it's the scoring system, and and for all of our listeners that are unaware of the change with the Dalliums this year, there's actually two, there's actually two people that vote. Mm. So in the old system, um, it used to be a maximum. You could pick up a maximum of three votes per game. It was a three-two-one system. Mm. Whereas now there's actually two people voting, so you can actually pick up six points mm. if you get both of the of the judges three points in that one match. You can pick up six. So that's why already we're seeing, you know, players after eight rounds on 23 points. I think, what did Nico Hines win it on last year? 38, something like that? Yeah, close to 40, I think. Sort of high, high 38s, which mm. is pretty much sort of, you know, anywhere sort of mid to high 30s, you're going to be, you know, on the, on the podium yeah. for a Dally M. Whereas we're already seeing, you know, 23 points after eight rounds. That's, you know, that's big. So, um, but back to that, that point of the, the Broncos, yeah, like that's, those three guys, you know, they're they're sort of sharing points every game, um, and so that's pretty impressive to see three three players from the same club in the top five um, doing so well. So, can I be a super pessimist? Super yeah. super pessimist. Yeah, could it even be like not a good thing? Because it's like the storm was so dominant for so long because they spread out how good they are, and mm. I just wonder, like, are we relying too heavily? And I don't. I'm not saying that this is what I think. I'm just yeah. saying, like, because I feel like a lot of the the a lot of people that watch footy aren't fully convinced with the Broncos yet. Like, yes, we're yep. having a great year, but when mm-hmm. we're talking about premiership threats, we rely way too heavily on Payne Hass doing something incredible, Reese yeah. Walsh, Reynolds. Do you think Broncos is is am I being too <clears throat> pessimistic in that, having that well, question? Well, mate, look at this. I, I look at it this way, right? I, I like I like the fact that there's three players from the same club sitting high on the Dallium table. That means that they're not relying on one person only. Mm. I think that's better. Okay. Because if you have one dominant player, then that means you're relying solely on that guy. Yeah, okay. And if he's out of form or injured, suspended, whatever, then where does that leave your team? Mm. If you've got one dominant player. Take, like you have a look at Dallium medals over, over the years, and um, I'm not trying to take away from anything. From these players because they certainly deserve it. They they played extremely well in the years that they won these medal medals. But have a look at JT. JT won four. Mm. 
He he was head and shoulders above every other player in that team. Mm. Mm. Won four Dalian medals, but finished with one premiership at the Cowboys. Mm. And and I and I, you know, with all due respect to other players, they they relied heavily on JT through those years, mm. you know, to get to get victories and take them deep into, you know, finals and whatnot. Similar thing, similar thing with um, the Knights. You know, Joey Johns. Many people believe greatest player to ever play the game. He won three, I think, three Dalian medals, and and a very again a very dominant player, just like JT. Mm. Um, whereas we're looking now at at the Broncos. Yeah, they they do have dominant players like Payne Haas, um, Reese Walsh coming onto the scene at one. Um, you know, having some dominant possessions and dominant um, displays at fullback. But you know, I feel as though they're sharing the load, mm. and it's reflected with the, with these point system. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think I actually think it's a it's a positive for you. I okay. think it's a positive. Well, it's a positive for the Broncos. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I like that. I like that. I'll be telling that's that's what the yarn I'll be using now from now on. And I'm not going to say Smithy said it as well. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be like, okay. guys, don't worry about the fact we've got three in the top three because we're spreading the load. We're spreading the load. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting. This uh, what's interesting as well with the Dali M points change. It's almost come out of uh, nowhere to a degree. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. just we just decided to do it, and there wasn't yeah. a big because like a lot of people still say, oh, you got the three points or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and what what was the the catalyst. what was the reason for it? I'm not sure. I've got no idea, no idea. But mm. I didn't want to get to it, Smithy. I didn't want to get to it because, well, well Tommy's done this because he's trying to put us on show. Okay, he is a Roosters fan, I guess. Uh, yep. Preseason predictions. Yes, we both tipped a couple of players. Okay, who are yours? Can we go yours first? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go mine. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm joking. I thought Scotty Drinkwater. I thought yep. Scotty Drinkwater was a schmucky to win. Mm-hmm. And you thought? Harry Grant. Oh, 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 wow. How dare you? Oh, wow. No, listen, listen. No, no. I'll be honest because because our, our listeners, they, they listen closely every show. So I, I know they're fully aware of this. And it was... It, it, I was tipping more of a, a, a bit of a schmoky, right? Yeah. Josh Hodgson. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, mate, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm loving my selection after the first couple of rounds. Yeah. I he played strongly, mm. but um, yeah, he's been a little bit quieter over the last you know few weeks, um, and and a little bit being said about you know the the number nine position at Parramatta and what's best for them, who who should be playing there, um. You know now are they are they ruining the decision to allow allow Reed Marnie to leave? Mm. You know it wasn't like they didn't want him. They they certainly offered him a, a contract, but they couldn't match um, the offer that was made by the Bulldogs. So he moved on. But yeah, Hodjo Hodjo was my was my early pick. Mate, Come, so on, I, boys. Yeah, Come on, boys. Yeah, we've got to get we've got to be better, I think. I mean, Scotty Drinkwater, mm. he was he is playing some pretty good footy. I thought he was their best player on the weekend, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um yeah. but he obviously had a couple of weeks out due to suspension. Now, let's make some predictions now. I know it's easy because there's already oh, Yeah, okay. <laughs> I I would Payne has to be the first front rower ever to win it if he does. I think he Ooh. would. I think he would. Yeah, possibly. So I am possibly. going to go for a Payne Haas Dally M win. Ah, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't I, I can't argue with that, really. 
Um, people people listening are like, what the hell? He's already on top. Of course, that's an easy pick. pick. Yeah. But no, you've really gone out on the limb there, Campy. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> hey. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, well, he's a half roughy. He's not, he's not a full thing out wide here, but I'm going to go Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards, I like that. Yeah. I like Busy. That. Yeah. Plenty of touches. Yep. And also lots he's of, he's getting lots the of running hype. meters. Like, yeah, lots of running meters, a mm. lot of talk around him at the moment. Yeah. You know his team's gonna be very competitive. They're gonna mm. win more games than they lose. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um yeah, I think maybe Dylan Edwards. Maybe Dylan Edwards. Yeah, I like that. I like that shit. Now Tamalolo is the only forward who is not a hooker to win the Dally M. Yeah. He won in two thousand and sixteen with Cooper Cronk. Yeah. Yeah, he shared that one. Yeah, yep. I remember that one. Um, yeah. But so hopefully Payne has the big fella can keep doing what he's doing because, wow, it's impressive. Seriously, seriously impressive. Um, is there any other smokies that could come out of nowhere? Uh, I, I think – I don't know. I, I think – well, oh, well, it's tough because it's not like other years where you got the six points. Mm. Like, so, so you could – if you get, like, two six-point games, that's 12 points. I mean, that's yeah. half of what – Payne Haas has pretty much. Yeah, 23. that's right. Yeah. If you go on a – say you went on a run like um, like a Jared Hayne way back in 09. Or like Joey a, 2005. Where they put together, say, six, seven games of best on grounds consecutively. Mm. You would absolutely smash it in. Yeah. Yeah. You would absolutely smash it in. Mm. So that's why I don't mind like that – that Payne Haas theory of the big fella picking up, you know, the Dally M is because, you know, the great form that the Broncos are in, if they continue winning, you know that he's going to be, you know, a heavy contributor yeah, to that, to that match or to that victory. So if he stays fit, you know, there's a, there's a possibility of him picking up points every single game that they win. Yeah, agreed. We are uh, we're going to head to a break, and after the break, we're going to get to our rising stars. Thanks to Bailey Ladder. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Now, just want to put the word out: still looking for the Bailey Ladder that was removed from Smitty's studio. So hopefully, we get that returned soon. Uh, someone, someone, oh, surely please. bring it back. Like, can't get Tom? anything done around the joint. Tom, Tommy? something, Tom. Tommy, you know what? No, Un- no. Not reliable. He brings schnitz no. every two years, and he reckons <laughs> reckons, reckons they love us. <laughs> no, we love schnitz, though. They yeah. love us. We love well Tommy done. as well. We love Tommy as well. Yeah, Time we to see deep down, deep down, very deep down. Time to see which young players are climbing up the Bailey ladder. Works I trusted for over sixty years. Smithy, what have we got? Young fellas, they perform well again across the weekend. Kempe, Declan, Casey from the Bulldogs, uh, playing against the Sharks. Of course, I know they had a loss, but. Young man, 23 years of age. He had a try, one line break, and ran for 70 metres. Um, a lot of young guys getting opportunities at the moment, um, particularly the Bulldogs with you know the injury crisis that they've got. Um, so well done to Declan. Uh, second one goes to, well, this this young fellow, he was on debut at fullback for the Tigers, Jareem uh, Bueller. Uh, 21 years of age. He ran for 177 metres, had one offload and five Tackle breaks. He was uh, he came up with a couple of errors, but I'll tell you what he he really took the game on. Playing against the Manly side, who was full of confidence coming off that strong victory against Melbourne Storm, um, I thought he had some nice touches. Took one out of the in goal, beat a few players to get out of the in goal. Um, tough run by the young fella. Thought it really impressive. 
Great debut. Uh, and my third and final nomination is Isaiah Katoa um, from the Dolphins. He, he's just playing so good at the moment. So good. Um, a lot of eyebrows were raised at the start of the year. Round one, the young fella got the nod um, in front of Milford to play in the halves for the Dolphins. On the weekend, though, he orchestrated the comeback. Big reason why they were able to, to, to beat the Titans in the end. Still only 19, one try assist, two tackle breaks, ran for 90 metres and had two forced dropouts, Kempi. Young man playing really well at the moment. Oh, mate. And I think it's not getting noticed because, you know, okay, let's let's a perfect example. Sam Walker comes into the comp and he is just electrifying. Try assist here, try assist there on the front page of every paper in existence. But I think people are underestimating the learning that Katoa is going through right now. It is invaluable because mm. he's not walking into a premiership threat side. He's walking into a side that was decimated by injury, missing a bunch of players. So he is learning the hardest way possible to get the job done at only 19 years of age. I just think that you can't put a price on how much he would be learning right now as a footy player at just 19 years of age. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he's, he's, he's fortunate in a way because he's got some um, experienced guys around him, a lot of experience. So that, there's no doubt that they'll be guiding him through you know the week-to-week rigors of, of NRL. And who better to have at the top than Wayne Bennett, a guy that's coached, what's he coached, about 5,000 NRL matches? Uh, it could be close like, it's to crazy. It. Yeah. So, you know, like he, he's seen young men come into the game, um, you know, have their challenges when they're, when they're trying to stay up week to week at a, at a, in a competition that requires high standards every game you play. So he knows. He knows exactly what they're going through. But what he does, he, he instills confidence in them to go out and, and be at their very best. Mm. You listen to any Dolphins player play uh, talk about you know, Wayne, whether it's before a game, after a game, midweek, whatever it is, he did, they all talk about the confidence that he instills and the belief that he instills in everyone. So that's why that's why Isaiah Katoa is playing so well at the moment. And good on him. It's fantastic. I was fortunate enough to have a chat with him at the Dolphins season launch. Yes. And genuinely, you know, you sometimes you get these young superstars coming out of school and look, they're not bad people, but they're a little bit cocky, a little bit confident. And as an as a player that, you know, has been in uh, quite a few pre-seasons, you can kind of notice, oh, look, he, he, he may take an extra year or two to realize that this cocky confidence, it's coming from a place of you used to be the big fish with other, you know, in your area, but you don't actually realize you're stepping into everyone's a big fish in your squad. Yes. Whereas talking to Katoa, he was so humble and appreciative of the opportunity. He was genuinely a kid that you could go, you could... He's a guy that you want in your side no matter what. He, there was no cockiness. There was no arrogance. There was no hype. I've got, I just got so much um, excitement for his career. Another quick moment I wanted to talk about in the Dolphins game. So so Robert Jennings has that issue in regards to doesn't go over the trial line. Anyway, that happens. Big blabs, whatever. Then he goes over again. He knocks the ball on over the line. Now, look, this isn't a Robert Jennings dig bit. I'm getting to it. I promise. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the camera, it's kind of like off camera to a degree, but you see Jesse Bromwich walking back towards uh, the scrum and he's got his hand around Jennings as, you know, bringing him in just like a, as a mate walking with a mate, yep. as if you've had a couple of beers together. And I just thought that is, you know, he's not getting the credit he deserves, Jesse Bromwich. 
for leading this team in such a smart way because a lot of other captains would have been absolutely into Jennings, but he realized Jennings needed an arm around his shoulder yep. to just get him confident, get him happy again, and then what do you know? He scores a try. Welcome to the Captain's Run with Cam Smith. We are here for Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings. And Spitwater, Spitwater high-pressure cleaners, tools, not toys, tough and ready. Sharks v Cowboys, Thursday, 7.50 p.m. Shark teams. Shark team news, no changes. Cowboys team news, no changes. Uh, we've also mm. got a text here. Can the Cowboys make the eight? What do you reckon, Smithy? Well, if they start playing the football that uh, we know they can play, Kempi, I think they'll make the eight. There's no doubt about that. They got a they got a bit of uh, they got a bit of room to catch up though. They they haven't um, helped themselves at all over the last month. But but you know, I think they've they've been far from their best. They're going to have to do it without Tam Lolo. He's out for another few weeks, but. Um, this, this is a huge game, this one, uh, taking on the Sharks down in Sydney. And uh, another point I want to make, they're, they're actually the two teams they're playing. So the, the best player of the of judged on the field will be receiving the Paul Green medal, mm. of course, in, mm. in memory of Paul Green, who uh, was a part of both of these uh, clubs and was the uh, first and only premiership coach of the Cowboys. So a lot to play for on top of, you know, the two points um, to be the inaugural winner of the Paul Green medal would be pretty special for one of these players. Um, Sharkies, just so hard to beat at home. I, I just feel as though they're, they're a different team at home um, and they're starting to build into their season. I, I think what we've seen over the last you know couple of games, I've been more impressed with their last fortnight. Defense has started to improve a bit more as well. Um, and, you know, the big players are just playing well. Nico Hines, of course, he's in great form. A lot of talk around him at the moment, whether he should be playing state of origin. Um, so I think with him playing well, uh, the Sharks team, their defense has improved. I think, I think they'll, they'll beat the Cowboys. Mate. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm with you, but mm. I'm looking at the odds here. Cowboys I'm with you, currently... but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Cowboys are paying four bucks. Yeah, that's, that's in a two-horse race. Mate. That's big. They went down yeah. there and, and stole a couple of points off them. Of, well, not points, a, a prelim berth yes. last year. That's right. Ooh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, look, in regards to if you just get the, the punting out of it, I think the Sharks get the job done. With the Cowboys, that last two minutes – I want to see that for 80 minutes. That last yeah. two minutes of that game where they were on under the pump, they just kept turning up for each other constantly on the, just repeated effort after yep. repeated effort. They just basically said, we refuse to lose. We refuse to lose. If they can take that mindset, spread it across the 80 minutes. I know they're without Jason Tamalolo. Mm. I know they're struggling with injury. But if you're going to beat the Sharkies, if you want to get him into a grind, because unfortunately on an attacking front, you're yeah. not going to out-attack the Sharks at the moment. No, no. They are way too silky. So yeah. if I'm the Cowboys, I am trying to upset everything. I want, You know what? I want to do what the Raiders did to the Broncos a few weeks ago. That's what yeah. I'll be doing. Yeah, just get get in and get under their skin. Make them, make them uncomfortable. Like don't allow, don't allow the, you can't allow the Sharks when, when they're in a good mood to dictate terms. You've got to get in there and, and really ruffle their feathers, feathers a little bit. I, I still don't know what's happened to the Cowboys, their defense. 
It's just it, it's it's a, it's a shadow of their 2022 defensive performances. It's just it's like it's gone out the window. Like the other night, okay, so they so they they they're able to, to scramble and get a late try against Newcastle, who have been much improved over the last you know two to three weeks. But they come up with 47 missed tackles, the Cowboys, compared to Newcastle's uh, like sort of 20 odd, 23, 25. And the Knights only completed, completed Kempi at 67%. I know. So the Cowboys are, you know, they, they did a pretty good job with their ball control the other night. They, they were over 80%. But to only just get past the Knights where they didn't control the football, um, that that's a concerning thing. Whereas defense is certainly their issue at the moment. I think attack they can get going pretty easily. Like they just they just need a couple of things to go their way, find their groove again. Big player back like Tao Malolo, but their defense the defense is a whole team thing. It's not an ind- well well sorry, it starts as an individual thing, but it's it's like their team defensive systems just aren't working. Mate, compared I- to compared to last year where they were so good. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, I think it's the, the contact. I just think they're losing the contact battle in attack and defense. I would be having a, a really close look at what their uh, strength and conditioning has been like this year. Are they, you know, hitting the same targets as they did in the preseason year before? Are they feeling fatigued because of the World Cup, the longer year? I, I really think... The Cowboys, compared to the big noticeable difference for me, and I, I spoke about it last week as well, is they're losing the contact. Like every, like that's how they're slipping off tackles. It's just getting bumped. Yeah. Um, in, in in attack, they're not making as many meters, or at the very least, they're not breaking games apart to make a defensive line scattered. Mm-hmm. So I would just love to know, like, is it is it the fact that they they're fatigued from such a big year last year? Or have they become complacent and they're just struggling to get back that non-complacent attitude that they had last year? Yeah. Well, well, you'd like to think it's not – they shouldn't have any sort of complacency mm. given the way they finished. Now, they had a fantastic year. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, reaching a, a prelim in the NRL is, is, a, is a wonderful achievement. And you have to play good football to, to reach it. But they fell short. They didn't, they didn't even get to the grand final. They weren't mm. a chance of winning the comp as we know now, mm. um, after being beaten by Parramatta in Townsville. So, w- w- you know, from that point of view, you can go better than what they did last year. Mm. So that should have been the challenge. And, and to do that, you need to be better in all forms of your game. You can't just say, well, oh, look, we'll just roll out again this year. You know, we were one of the better teams in the comp. It'll just happen for us again this year. It, it won't. And the teams that are doing so well, again, and we talk about this a lot, um, the teams that are doing so well this year are the ones that are committed to their defense. And as you mentioned, the contact, they're committed to the contact. They go in aggressively. They make it hard for the opposition to score tries. When, you, when you're happy just to, just to fold and let easy tries in all the time, really hard to win games. Yeah, it's, uh, hopefully they can turn it around. Uh, now on to the Eels versus Knights. Eels team news. Bailey Simons out. Sean Russell moves to centres. Hayes Dunst comes on the wing. Widamu Greg starts for Regan Campbell-Gillard. Makatoa joins the bench. Knights team news. No, change, no changes to the team that lost the Cowboys last week. Ponga has a name to start, but could swap with Tyson Gamble again and start from the bench. How do you see this one playing out, Smithy? Well, well look, I'm going to start with, I'm going to back Knights 
I, wow. I, tipped, I, I tipped the Knights against Cowboys last week too, Kempi, um, and they nearly got there. Mm. So I'm going to back Knights again. I just I've, I've I've really liked what I've seen from them from the last few weeks, even though they haven't won every game. But they're they're playing a a, a tougher style of uh, footy um, that we haven't seen them play for a while, particularly the start of this year. Very up and down, um, and the Eels, you know, particularly reeking Campbell Gillard. Huge out. Oh, man. Huge out. Like the combination that he has with Junior Bolo, uh, particularly the way they start games with that that power, that power game where they just try to early meters, get you on the back foot, fatigue you through the middle, dominate the opposition forward pack. I think that's going to be, it, yeah, it's a big, it's a it's a huge out for Parramatta. And, and it could change the way they play or or even approach the start of the game completely. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm backing knights here. Ooh, see, I I'm back, backing them in. Oh, I backed knights last week as well. I just, I think the eels just may have a bit too much firepower in regards to Sean Lane back, Madison back for a couple of weeks now. You know, Dylan Brown slowly, you know, growing into the game. In saying that, if Ponga starts, you could see a market difference when he came on the field for the knights. Yeah. Jeez, he looked explosive. Jeez, he looked quick. Yeah. Um, so we're still not we, – we, we don't know really. Like he's named to start, but he, he still could start off the bench. That's right. Yeah. We, we're not, not 100% sure. But, I, oh, man, this is, a, this is a really tough game to – what an opportunity for the Knights though. You know, mm. what a massive opportunity to go down and beat the Eels uh, with a – you know, let's say Ponga does start. Oh, just would be incredible. Yeah. And I, and I think the the way they they look at it, the Knights and look at last week is is hey boys, let's go down there, let's aim to score early points, mm. like let's go after it straight up. Like I, I know every team wants to start well, and and that's always a goal, but some some teams have different sort of mindsets. Like you hear players and coaches talk about playing the long game. Well, that means hey, let's not overplay our hand early. Let's just stay in it, complete our sets, kick well, defend well. And we'll wear the opposition down and, and get the points late and win the game in the second half. Whereas other teams, which I'm saying the Knights sh- sh- maybe should approach this game this way, is hey, let's let's go after it. Mm. Let's you know let's let's have a go at you know some early shifts and chance our arm on the edges early and throw a couple of offloads away and see what happens. Like bring guys like Lockie Miller into the game if Kanan Ponga starts. Same thing. Give him some early ball. Test out the edges of the Parramatta defence. Because last week, you look at last week, when there was a bit of scoreboard pressure on Parramatta, they come up with errors when they shouldn't have come up with errors. Mm. Like they were, they were trying to throw miracle passes and offloads when they shouldn't have been passing offloads. Like early tackles, I think they made several um, mistakes on early tackles, like tackle two, tackle three. Places where they shouldn't be making errors. Mm. And that was all through scoreboard pressure from the Broncos. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. I will say, is it time the Eels consider potentially starting hands at nine? Well, no, because then Hodjo can't win a Deli M. (laughs) 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 Mate, possibly, possibly. Possibly, I think there's a, there's a bit of there's been a bit of a discussion or talk around that whether they mix that up. Um, that that may happen. That may happen. You know, have the younger man start the game, 
um, bit of energy, bit of ball movement, bit of running, and then bring Josh Hodgson onto the field. You know, after the stings taken out of the match, maybe 25 minutes, get him on when there's a little bit of fatigue in the match and he can start his craft. That may happen at some stage, Kempi. Because he might be on the money, mate. Because last week he played for 31 minutes, zero runs, zero meters, obviously, 16 tackles, five misses. Hodgson? Hodgson. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why those those sort of um, opinions were made around that Parramatta, Parramatta may have to address that position and whether whether it is a better option to have hands starting nine and bringing Hodgson off the bench um, just to bring experience later in uh, the latter stages of the game, um, it, it could be an option. I, I wouldn't be surprised if... if Brad Arthur actually you know, has a little bit of a play with that ploy. All right. Uh, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we've got plenty of more footy to preview. Welcome back to the captain's run with Cameron Smith, Seagulls versus the Titans, Saturday, 5.30, Four Points Park. Tom Travojevic has been named to play, but will need to pass a fitness test in order to play. Tui Pilotu returns on the wing. Garrick moves to the centres for injured Brad Parker. Cooper Johns replaces Josh Schuster at six. Talangi returns to second row. Ethan Bullimore moves back to the bench. Titans, Jojo Fafida moves to centres. Philip Sammy starts on the wing in a positional switch. Haas and Vuna replace Leeming and Michele on the bench. How do you see this playing out, Smithers? Yeah, some uh, some big changes there with the Titans after their well, – their fail in the second half of, of the game on the weekend. And I think, you know, changes needed to be made just to shake up a few things around the Gold Coast Titans footy side. Um, Seagulls, question marks over Tommy Trebojevic. He just, is he, is, are they are they confident he's going to play? I cannot believe it. I yeah. cannot believe, I cannot believe at this part of the season, he goes off with a groin, even if it's a twinge, now, maybe it's just a media spin to take away, like, the fact that, you know, he's out yeah. for a few weeks. Why he would even be considered to be playing blows my mind. Risky. Risky. Particularly when you've got a, a an, an able replacement in Ruben Garrick. Like Ruben Garrick, well, he's he's moving to the – well, he's saying he's moving to the centres, but, we, you know, it might be a bit of smoke and mirrors, but that's Wait, a risky – That's a risky the play. Table. That's second. a risky play. They're second on the table, mate. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, what are we <laughs> when, doing? When you got such a such an important part of your outfit, with question, knowing his knowing his his history of injuries, oh, oh, mate, if there's any any doubt whatsoever, treat him like a treat him like a thoroughbred. Hundred percent. Any t- any type of any signs of lameness. <laughs> I'm using horse terms here. Lameness. Any lameness, pull like scratch him, mate. You got Ko Weeks. He's a gun fullback. Put him back there. Give him a crack. Yeah. It was only two weeks ago. Tom Travojevic could barely run because of back spasms. Yeah. Yep. I I am absolutely mind blown mm. that there isn't a strong enough call because because Tommy would want to play. Of course he wants to play. We're talking about yeah. Tom Travojevic here. Well, every player wants to play yeah. every game. Make the make the strong call and say Tommy. Yeah. Take two weeks off, and you'll be yep. sweet. And you'll be tip-top, come back in, get a couple of games. Origin's there. You play Origin. Stay fit. Against let's, the push for, let's push for a premiership. We're sitting yeah. second against the Titans, and we're, we're risking Tom Dravojevic. 
Yeah, I don't know. Big call. And 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 then on top of that, Josh Schuster. It, like so, he misses the first few rounds, I think, where Cooper Johns played in the halves, and then he comes back in, plays one game, mm. out with injury, returns, plays one game, out with injury. Yeah, just they're having some dramas at, at Manly there at the moment. But back to the footy. Um, yeah, a bit. I, I don't know how scarred they'd be the Titans after that that uh, implosion in the second half where they just they, they just didn't play. Well, they stopped playing early, and then at the end where they still held a small lead over the Dolphins, it was like they it was like they were chasing points. They were, they, were, they were trying to throw miracle balls, and AJ Brimson, wonderful player, and has played some great footy this year so far. He made that little half break down the left-hand side, and then he tried to throw that miracle ball over the top of Izako, and Izako, Izako picked it off. Titans were up by two at that point. It was like four minutes to go. Mate, the, the great Fosdog, the great Foran was doing kicks on a third off his line trying to get Pereira. And they no, were up by 12. No, 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 no. Hold the ball, play the set out, kick long. Mate, I've always said, and you can, obviously, you've got a way better insight into this. But I've always felt, and we were always taught, you don't attack your way out of momentum shifts. You defend your way out of momentum shifts. Mm. Uh, is that, am I crazy or like? Well, well, mate. Particularly when the scoreboard is in your favour. Yeah. You know what I mean. You're, you're not chasing points, so why play the risky play? Mm. Play the high percentage play, boys. Play the high percentage play. Yeah. Run in numbers, back each other up, but we don't need to offload. We don't need to throw loopy passes over the top of defenders' hands. We don't need to kick early, cross kicks, trying to find our wingers. Just play. Just run the clock down. Play the game out. And get a grind grind away to a victory. Um, so I think even with the even if there is changes, Tommy T obviously a big out if he's scratched late. Um, but they've got some as we spoke about. They've got some able replacements there. Ko Weeks, of course. Um, Ruben Garrett can move back there if if needed. Uh, I think Manly. I think Manly will win this one, particularly at Four Pines, mate. They're yeah. they're strong. They love playing there. They yeah. love playing there. And and if it's a big crowd. Um, Saturday five thirty probably should get. No, I reckon they'll get a decent crowd there. They get right behind their team and they just they get them home. Yeah, I I just when I look at the Titans, I go, what are the whenever the Storm and the Panthers are under the pump, what do they do? They go long pass to their half and they hit a wide running forward on a three in defender and they go yeah. from there. And I just don't understand why teams don't just go. Oh, we're a bit under the pump here. Long pass yeah. to half, hit a wide running forward. We keep going down that corridor. Anyway. Um, look, it's, I mean, look, it's, I'm, I'm couch coach here, so I know it's much harder on the field. Panthers v yeah. Tigers, <laughs> Saturday, 7.30, Carrington Park in Bathurst. Peachy replaces Tungo in centre. Oh, that's interesting because they've got a couple young guns. David mm-hmm. Nofualuma returns on the wing for his first game since round three at the expense of Charlie Staines and Brett Naden. Brent Naden turns to centre. How do you see this playing out, Smithers? Um, there, there was some good signs. Some some more positive signs from the Tigers um, across the weekend. I was watching them and I thought, well, that it's the effort. I seen the effort. I was much more buoyed by the effort that they showed um, in that match. Uh, still, think they're trying to work work out the game plan that works for their players. Um, I don't know how much of this game you've seen, mate, but I think they they had about ten wraparounds in one half of football. <sighs> Close to the line, and it was all done in relatively slow motion. Um, it, it looked as though, um, you know, it was the influence of 
you know, the guys that are there in charge, Robbie Farrar, Benji Marshall, Tim Sheens, it was, it was the style of footy that worked for those guys. Mm. Um, but that was quite some time ago now. And you're dealing with completely different players as well. So it's not like you can just say, hey, boys, look, this is what worked for us. Go out and do that. It's a, it's a different game. They've got different players, um, different outcome, of course. So I just think that they're still trying to work out what is the best way to use the football with the players that they have. I'm thinking if you're happy Coruscant, I'd be sitting down with the coaches and saying, listen, this is the way we need to play. Mm. You know, Get our big four. This is what made Penrith so strong, and 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 again, it's a reflection of why I feel Penrith uh, are not as fluent as they have been in the past three years. Is the absence of Api Coruscant? I think they're really missing the craft that he provides from nine, mm. and and when I mean craft is his show one side, come out the other, his little two steps to commit a marker, send his big man across the advantage line, into the defensive line and creating momentum. Mm. I, I think that's what they're lacking at Penrith at the moment. But that's what Appy has to do as the nine, as the skipper, and say, listen, like, get me in the game. And this is the way we do it. And this is what I can do to help guys like Brooks get into the game, get their momentum across the ad line, get them at the defensive line quickly. This is the way we should be playing. I'd like to think that that's happening rather than the coaches, all the coaches just saying, hey, look, this is what we want you to do. Smithy, you want to hear something crazy? Go on the on. weekend, the Tigers ran for 500 more metres than Manly and had 58% possession of the ball. And they were un win still unable to win and execute. And when I see that, it just proves your point. Appy is getting these boys yeah. where they need to go. Yep. But unfortunately, the six and seven are not executing the way they need to execute to win matches. It's, it's, it's so obvious. It's glaringly obvious. So what they're doing, what you're saying is they're, they're running. They're, they've got a lot of direct running with intent. It gets them down near the try line, and then they want to do wraparounds. Wraparounds. Like when, like you throw it in every now and then to just like throw <laughs> things off. But you know what? It, it, like, you know, to me as an anal analyst, I guess, Yep. it screams to me, that we don't have ball players that can square defences up. So we're instead... Yeah, we're lacking ball players, yep. Instead, yep. we're going to use wraparounds to try and square and hold defences up. And it's like, mm. that just shows you that your six and seven aren't holding the, the, the defensive line up. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what they are, mate? They're, they're effective plays when run plop, properly. Mm. So, and and when they when they did numerous of plays of the wraparounds the other day, um, they were done with not a whole lot of speed... Um, at times, you know, guys mistiming their their run, you know, to, to to punch lines or option runners, short option runners, guys out the back slightly out of position. So when you're running those type of plays, the timing has to be perfect from every player in that sequence of play. Mm. And I get, you know, was it the first time we've seen a lot of those plays happen um, the way they did in the other game? Yeah, it is. So maybe they are sort of you know, working towards something. But they just they, they tried to execute on the weekend. It didn't quite come off for them. But yeah, the modern game when when you see all the good plays come off close to opposition try line in in the modern game, it's done. It's all done with speed. Mm. Things happen quickly. They make defenders make decisions quickly, um, and it's when you find space. Yeah.
and you square the def- you make this defense stop moving sideways. Um, obviously, we're both going. Well, I'm going Tigers because they're paying about seven thousand dollars, but I think we're going um, going Panthers this one. But I tell you what, Panthers. they got to win one soon. They got to yeah. win one soon. We're going to head to a break. After the break, we've got our last matches, couple matches of the round to preview. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cameron Smith. Warriors, Roosters, Smithy, how do you see this game playing out? Well, I'll tell you what. It, it was, a, um, a again, really impressive uh, game last night uh, until they suffered a few injuries and, and copped a, um, a sin binning. They were well and truly in the game, the Warriors. I, I If they got through that game unscathed, I was actually leaning towards tipping them against the Roosters. Playing back in at Mount Smart, they're they're over there on Sunday two o'clock. I was going to back them, but after um, what happened to them last night, Torhu Harris, Jazz Tavanga, Nickel Clogstad, they're all out injured. Dylan Walker, not sure what he's doing yet. With um, he's been given um, two weeks, so I don't know whether he's contesting that or not. I'm I'm not too sure, but um, yeah. A lot of big outs. Um, guys coming back in, though. Um, Volkman, Wade Egan's back. Um, very good players, but I think Rooster's going over there. Nat Butcher back from suspension. Crichton goes to the bench. Corey Allen replaces Daniel Tupo on the wing. Um, of course, Daniel Tupo, he sent him limp from the field yesterday. I- I'm going to go the Roosters. Okay. Um, off the back of those big outs for the Warriors. And Dragons v Bulldogs. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, Dragons. Well, they nearly got one, didn't they? Mm. In the big Anzac clash, which they've they've actually had some good results over the years in that one. But um, Kyle Flanagan, mate, he's been dropped again. Um, Joshy Reynolds, the grub, he goes into six. Uh, oh, mate, I'm, I'm saying Dragons. They get a victory. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think Dragons get the job done. I think uh, Joshy Reynolds at six is going to be interesting because he hasn't – it's been good for energy, but he's actually – you know, he has a few errors and um, penalties, and you add that to Marnie, he starts – there's quite a few penalties when you add them together. I'm not not too sure about uh, starting Renault at six. I wonder whether that's a smoke and mirrors for Oluwapu to potentially get a late call into the side. Wow. Be very interesting. But if it is, what a great return by Reynolds. If he has earned that six jersey again, yeah. holy, who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, well, it was, lo- it was long odds, wasn't it? That really, he would have maybe have got that. But no, he's, he's made his way back and he's obviously trained hard and fought hard for that position and yeah. he's stuck at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Flano, do you think, look, do you think it's... Oh, I know it sounds disrespectful, but I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Is it time he goes to Super League to get a bit of confidence back? Does he try and fight his way yeah. back in? It, well, I just don't know. Well, you may you mentioned that um, maybe start of the year. I think you you may have tossed that up about um, Kyle Flanagan sort of going over there and building a bit of confidence like we've seen a lot of halves do over the years. I know um, having played a fair bit of football with Blake Green, he did that because he had stints with the Bulldogs and, and Parramatta, I believe. And and, and, and then he said, no, I'm going to go over to Super League, you know, um, try and work out my game over there. Played for, I think, Hull and he played for, and he played for, yeah, where did he win where his premiership, Blake Green? I think, was it Hull? Wigan. But, you know, uh, Wigan. Mm. I think, he, yeah, Wigan. He, he won a premiership and a Challenge Cup, possibly. Mm. 
um, with them and, and so come back a completely different player. Completely different player. Very confident. So it might do in the world of good, mate. And also Hastings as well has gone back and he's played some really, really good footy. Uh, we're going to head to a break. After the break, we're going to pick our sure things that are not so sure. Welcome back to the Captain's Run with Cam Smith. Let's now share our sure thing for sure hire, the temporary work experts, surehire.com.au. Schmitty, who's your sure thing, mate? Righto, sure thing this week, I am going to go the mighty Newcastle Knights against Para. Mate, my sure thing yeah. is the Eels versus the Knights. No, no yes. way. Someone's getting the chockies, baby. Is this the first? This is the first this ever. Is the first, absolutely. Sure things. Head to head. The battle of the sure thing. Come on, boys. <laughs> Fire up. Let's go, Eels. Fire up for Come the sure on. thing. It's the sure thing cup. Mitchell Moses, do something. Something. <laughs> oh, let's go. That is us done and dusted for another episode. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and uh, also on Twitter. We've also got a TikTok. Download the SEN app. Subscribe to our on any good podcasting service. Uh, and, yeah, sure, hire Australia's most complete shoring, propping, traffic, product range. Call one three hundred sure hire We will see you next week. See you next week.